in the quarantine. Mask off, and you know it's really bugging me. It's spread the And I've been fine. Delta variant transmit to other people. Can't take it, no vaccine, baby. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. I'm Sam. I am. Welcome to the Lifeboat live stream. Okay, we're <clears throat> excuse me, we're a little delayed this week because I took four days and spent with my daughter down at the farm. We made a short horror film. It's in the can. I still have to edit it. It was rather a lot of fun. Anyway, tonight we are going to go through a couple of really, I think, important topics. Uh, one of which gets back into what's happening to the blood of the vaccinated. We've referenced that with the white fibrous strands. Well, that's been confirmed. So we're going to talk about that, but I want the reason I'm bringing that up again is because you need to understand what's coming in the context of what's already happening with the economy, with the supply chain. It's all starting to break down. And I think uh, having this percept, uh, perception perspective will um, allow you to really make sense of what this all means. So we're going to go through that. Um, we're going to look at what's happening with the insurance companies, talk about, you know, like what they're, where they're going with this. I think they're, I think the government's going to have to step in to sort of paper over this problem. And then Gert has, Gert Vandenbosch has come back on another podcast and really added a layer of detail uh, to his theory about what's happening with the max factor mass vaccination uh, program and the consequences and, and likely outcomes. He's been right for over a year and he's really explained it to another level than what he did even, I think, on the high wire. And so I've watched that thing at least five times. I have a pretty good idea. We've got a bunch of clips of that we're going to go through. I'm going to point you guys. It's uh, Covexit is the interview. It's with um, Gert Vandenbosch as well as Dr. Peter McCullough. It's absolutely excellent, and you need to understand this uh, because I think it's going to start happening to more and more people, and the establishment is going to try and explain it away as, uh, you know, they, they've tried to normalize heart attacks. They're trying to get everyone tested for HIV. Any potential scapegoat they can, uh, they are going to employ to try and, you know, hide that this is all related back to the vaccinations, which are not really vaccines in the first place. Okay, so I want to start uh, back here with um, Dr. Ruby, oh gosh, I'm blanking on her name, Dr. Judy. Uh, yeah, you have these clots uh, in your system. And I've been finding these strange clots and it all started, I can't put my finger on it, but probably around the mid middle of last year, middle of 2001. Let's take a look at our first picture, which is a very... So this is the guy that was traveling around working with multiple embalmers and 
sometime mid last year, he starts seeing these white things show up in the blood vessels, right? And so she's going to long. show us. You can right see there. this in the picture, a very long clot uh, on this table. And from the far left end of it, it looks like a red uh, string blood clot, if you will. And going across, I just want to describe it for the audience, all the way to the far right, it becomes more and more uh, white and fibrous. And it, it, it bifurcates or it splits off. Okay. Dr. Jane Ruby is her name. Sorry. I blanked on that. Okay. So we watched that and I'm like, wow. This is fascinating. I want to see this confirmed, right? So I reached out to uh, John O'Looney and just said, hey, John, are you seeing these white fibers in your um, embalmings? And he didn't respond, but Dr. Cole has come out at, on in multiple appearances now and is talking about these. He's got samples. He's been looking at them under the microscope. And I want to show you what he's got to say. If you have these clots... Uh, in your system. Is that something that people can live with? Or is that something that basically is just a ticking time bomb and it will kill you uh, within a short amount of time once you develop these clots? Uh, that's a great question. Um, the, the interesting thing in a lot of these patients, you know, there's some blood tests we can do in the lab, one called a D-dimer, which says, you know, a clot is present. So when you see an elevated D-dimer, you think, oh gosh, this patient's clotting. And usually uh, the doctors, the ER doc, the pulmonologist is going to do a scan of the chest, CT, and see if there's a big pulmonary clot. Because usually if you have an elevated D-dimer, that's the direction that, that one thinks. But they weren't finding those. So then that begs the question, well, where are the patients clotting? And most of you know, the docs who are thinking and, and engaging in this are saying, well, then it's got to be microclots. And to that point, I have a colleague, you know, I, I see it in the skin, biopsies, some microclots, a uh, colleague down in Texas who's a GI pathologist. And so he gets a lot of, you know, colon and, and stomach biopsies. And after the shots rolled out, he, he was seeing tons of microclots in his biopsies. So it, it, you can live with microclots. You can live even with medium-sized clots. And I'll, I'll get to that in a second once we start showing these, because you'll see why you can live with them at least for a while. And, and so. Well, and this is where I have seen everybody that's even approaches this topic of how does this end up for these guys? Like what happens to the people eventually that you're seeing it in 50% of the dead? What if it's happening to me? What's my prognosis doc? And they all kind of don't want to come out and say it. So they kind of dance around it. And that's what he's doing. You can live with the clot there but the tissues around it eventually become compromised or the tissues upstream from where that clot forms eventually become compromised because you don't have oxygen getting there. And then the tissues die off or become malfunctional. So remember, we're going to have to jump back to this, or I guess that's the end of it. Remember this guy? You think he's got one of those growing in his leg right there? that he can't seem to move anymore because it's non-functional. This is happening to these people. 
and they're still denying it. Their bodies are not being fed the oxygen that it's need that it needs. And in the case of these clots, it's concentrated in the extremity that's affected. But this is fibrotic disease that's developing in these people. If you don't know what that is, it's a scarring of the vasculature of your vascular system. And it's happening with thousands and thousands of tiny razor blades, these spike proteins that are reverse transcripted into your DNA, meaning your cells are producing those forever. And they're going to cause these little scars. Listen to this guy. Do you know what the issue is with the, the chest? Or is it something entirely new to you? Mm. No, I don't know. Honestly, no, I... I uh, it happened yesterday night. Uh, just at the end of the match. Uh, last night, so I... Finishing that late yesterday, I'm playing today in the morning. I, as you can imagine, I had so he collapsed. And, uh, he's getting not, like not even, uh, massaged uh, on. He's laying face down. Coach is like so, uh, massaging the back where on the back where his <sighs> heart would it, be. The only thing that I can say is tough to breathe. <laughs> uh, for me, I don't know. I I feel very very. <laughs> when I try to breathe, uh, it's painful and it's very uncomfortable. Uh, but that's it. No, no, no. But it's not the moment to talk about that, honestly. No, even if it's obvious that. <laughs> but we're not gonna, we're not gonna look into the reason. It's not important to talk about it. He's suffering from cognitive dissonance. They've all seen this happen, over and over. This is not an isolated incident. Remember, right here. I have no asthma or breathing problems. I never experienced something like this. Like, it's like I had she yesterday. just couldn't breathe. I mean, uh, it was really scary. I, I like couldn't breathe. I didn't know what to do. I, I had the feeling like I'm gonna collapse. She was one of four really that this happened to during the Australian Open, and it's still going on. To breathe, to get some fresh air, to get some air at all. No one from us had the, these kind of conditions before. We are used to pollution, like we play in China, we play in more polluted countries, but. I mean, this is smoke is something different, and uh, for sure we are not used to it. Yeah. But these massive clots that people are seeing, right? Like they can't get embalming fluid into the body because they and they pull out these massive clots. I mean, mm -hmm. that basically is what killed people, right? I mean, you can't live with these. It, it, it's one of the factors that's killing people. And, and you're right, because... So that's what we showed you in the beginning. He's now got some of those, and he's been looking at them under the microscope. And so this, this is confirmed. This is real. He's given the same kind of numbers that the embalmer was, which means it's not a localized thing. It's not a hoax or conspiracy or whatever. It's something real that's happening. It's not happening in just one place. It's not some localized thing that this guy's seeing, which was doubtful in the first place because he was basically a freelance embalmer that would cover multiple um, funeral homes. And so now we've got Dr. Cole, who's got this vast network, uh, you know, from his lab test that he does across 12 states. 
And he's tapped his network and started getting samples and looking at those and figuring out what's in them. And uh, it's pretty surprising. The clot keeps on forming and forming and forming and forming. And it so just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. It's snowballs. It- yeah, it snowballs. It's, it, you know, the platelets come along and say, hey, I think I'll stick to that. And the red cells come along. Hey, I'll stick to that. And then more fibrin comes along. The protein- so it's like a rolling. It's the white stuff. Stone the, yeah. or the the the, the yeah. tumbleweed or the whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It keeps gathering more and more, and and then you have a big flopping. And this is what's interesting about these is is they're kind of anchored to the wall of a vessel, and then you have this big kind of polypy plug. And for a while, it's kind of like this flappy valve, and blood you know tries to work around it, tries to work around it, but as it grows, then you end up blocking off. Right. So these are uh, t- tissue samples or whole bodies that you got. Uh, These are tissue samples. So these are the actual clots from within these larger vessels. And to your point, the morticians that usually they'll put a dissolving fluid in to break up a clot so they can get their embalming fluid in. And they were getting back pressure on the system saying, what in the world is going on? So they ended up, you know, going in, grabbing and snaking onto these things and pulling out, you know, six inch clots, 12 inch clots, two, three foot long clots, because you know, from the hip down into the leg, you have a long vein called the saphenous vein. And so they were pulling long clots out of your longer veins. And to your point, they they hadn't seen anything like this previously. So something new, I, I, like I'm just, I'm stunned that it took, what was it, seven months for this to actually get reported? I mean, something they've never seen before shows up, starts showing up in all these people and nobody's raising the alarm saying, Hey, what's going on here for six plus months, but it is what it is. Okay. Here's where he looks at his slides and he does some immunostaining, which is where you can identify certain components by adding certain dyes and, and so forth. And so he's giving us some insights into what these white things are. And it's a couple, you know, they're they're catching red, red blood cells. They're catching. Okay. So this pale pink part that you see in this photo, that would be what a normal clot looks like. Just a few cells trapped in it that just pink, you know, no blue. So he's got kind of looks almost like a, a river or something. There's a big blob on the left, another one on the right. And it's, it's a light pink color. And there's what he says is blue is really looks more purplish to me. One of them has, you know, a few hundred of these little blue dots in there. The other one has thousands. It's just filled with them. Okay. And he's saying the one on the right is what a normal clot looks like. The one on the left is what uh, someone who, a clot from someone who's vaccinated looks like. In any normal clot, that's what it looks like. Now to the left, that's what we're seeing. You can use your mouse pointer, by the way, I think. Uh, Yeah. I don't know why it's not showing up. Not moving. No, nah, it's not moving. That's okay. So on the left, all that those blue dots, those are trapped cells. So in some clots, you'll see trapped cells, but I went ahead and stained these up to see what kind of cells, and I'll get to that in two slides here. So that pink like that is what a normal clot would look like, very acellular. And what's happening is this, this fibrin with some platelets in it and some red cells in it is all sticking together, but now it's causing all these other cells. These are neutro- mostly neutrophils and eosinophils, which eosinophils are like your allergic cells. Uh, they have a cell surface molecule uh, that's 
sticky. It's called a cellular intercellular adhesion molecule. And so this is this brown. So I, I marked all these cells for the expression of this uh, adhesion molecule. So what you're seeing on the surface, all that brown means every cell in there is triggered to express a, a cell protein that says stick to me, stick to me, stick to me. So what in the world have they done to the immune system, right? To trigger this kind of response and create, start creating these long fibrous things that are growing in the veins of the, of some of the vaccinated. We don't know what percentage, but folks, of course, there's also, here's a current example. This is a, cyclist that was basically had a seizure on the side of the road. And last night I got a, a tweet from, uh, here, I'm going to switch over to it. Oh yeah. Here's another one. Sorry. Surgeon just collapsing in the middle of surgery. And the reason I'm showing you this is because of the impact that it's about to start having on the economy. Okay. Right here, I wrote, started a uh, Substack, or actually, I started a while ago, decided to finally post uh, my first article. And I'm going to play with this a little bit and work it in and see how it does and if I, how I want to use it. But anyway, we're going to read some of this. And this is, uh, the system is breaking down. Uh, During my last shopping trip to a large uh, chain grocery store, it was a Walmart in, uh, I think it was the one in Canton. I noticed significantly more Canton, Texas, for those of you wondering. So like a smallish town, not a big city. I've I've definitely noticed some differences between the city Walmarts and the ones out in the country. Um, But I noticed significantly more bare spots on the shelves from the prior month. It was happening all across the aisles this time too. So there were larger sections that were just out of a certain type of product. Like the shelves were completely bare and then the other ones were well stocked. And like that had happened before, but it was sparse. This time it was practically every aisle and it was typically multiple spots in each aisle. So, you know, I also went to get some um, felt pads for, to quiet down some cabinets, you know, from the neighbors while that apartment's being redone. And they didn't have the normal size ones. They only had ones like this that I had to take and, you know, cut up into smaller pieces to be able to use them today without having to go in town. Um, So like the vitamin section has been gone, you know, decimated, not vitamins, but medicine has been decimated for a while. And here's an example, I think a great example of why that's happening. So. Everywhere I looked, a category of product was simply not there. Just now, Eagle 5 Fox 20, sounds like a badass call sign if you ask me, uh, commented about showing up to work last night to shut down to a shutdown freight terminal. And here's his tweet. He's saying, uh, my starting terminal last night, Sam, complete shutdown, no freight to move, no people to move it. I was the only driver that reported for duty Usually this lot is lit up like a Christmas tree and you can see there's, it looks like three rigs in the parking lot. And then there's big floodlights on the top there that are going to light up the area for the truckers to back into and get loaded up and then head out to uh, their drop. 
and it's all it's black it's shuttered like there's the the shed light on and that's it and i'm like uh what in the world is going on where is everybody surely everyone is not out sick are they turns out critical mass needed to run the operation wasn't reached and he tells us two loaders showed up they got sent home because that's not enough to run their belt system so they have conveyor belts that distribute the products but you need more than two people to use them management is either sick or covering at other terminals three other uh, truckers called off the majority of the loaders are vaxxed and all of the drivers except for him as we'll find out are vaxxed it's absolutely ridiculous and I'm pointing out, I suspect this will continue happening at businesses that push the vax on their employees. Key people with specific knowledge of the business process will be lost to illness and death among the vaccinated populations. We're about to see society break down in some very fundamental ways. And I don't think I can overstate that enough. Because we're going to look at the numbers in just a minute from uh, one of the attorneys that's taking the DMD data uh, and suing the, the government over it. It's about to jump basically fivefold from where it is today. And, and I'll show you, you know, there's uh, hospitals that are already overloaded and can't handle the load as it sits today. Here's a perfect example of one. This is in Australian, an Australian hospital. They called uh, Code Yellow as Albury Wodonga hospitals sent uh, treat hundreds of emergency patients. So they've got all these people showing up now with real heart attacks. You remember before it was like phantom heart attacks where people were freshly vaccinated presenting because they're they were having heart palpitations or something. They'd check them out and send them home. Well, now they're apparently showing up with real heart attacks. And like, what do you think is going to happen when this goes 5X from here as the insurance companies expect it to happen? Especially in the context of a healthcare system that's highly, highly vaccinated. How many of these places are going to survive? Is it somewhere you're even going to want to go? I mean, maybe under the rarest of circumstances. So that's what I'm trying to get across here in these articles is for you guys to really understand just what's about to go down. Um. He says, FYI, I'm the only trucker not vaxxed, and I'm the only one that consistently shows up. Been like this for six months now. Those shots are starting to work their true potential. As fibrotic, and this is me, I'm saying as fibrotic disease takes hold, their conditions will worsen until their untimely death. That's what uh, Dr. Cole just explained. We're going to hear more, you know, from those guys, from him specifically. Uh, We're seeing it now. And then I've got a reference here to this Louisville, Kentucky vaccine director, Sarah Beth Hartledge, that died suddenly. We're going to look at her story a little bit later on in the show. This is how empires go out, not with a roar, but a whimper. And here's Eagle 5 Fox 20 saying, I ended up running empty trailers to the West just to bring back a 53-foot trailer with only 8K of weight on it. What the fuck is right? 
So I, you know, I was asking him, WTF is, is going on here? And that's, you know, that was one of several responses that he sent because like, there's no way that justifies the fuel spent on the trip and look at what's happening to prices everywhere. That's the next thing that I tie in here. The economy is breaking down along with the banker's power to control it. Prices are surging everywhere while entire sections of store shelves increasingly sit bare. There's less and less to go around while desperate buyers chase fewer and fewer goods with money rapidly losing its purchasing power. So remember when we talked about the sort of signpost to hyperinflation, when it really starts to kick in, what happens? The store shelves empty. That's what's coming very, very soon. Why? Because we're seeing inflation just continue to climb. It's not going to you know, suddenly get better. This is the death of the dollar, the beginning of their, you know, grand reset. And people will realize I need to buy whatever things I'm likely to need. You know, if I'm still going to be washing clothes, I'll buy the extra bottle of laundry detergent now for $20 instead of next month for $35 or $45. People are showing, you know, pictures, videos of their gas and power bills. They're all going up 30, 50% was a video I saw of someone, I think, in the UK. And it's happening everywhere. Here's, uh, this is hot rolled uh, steel spot price, and it is at a record all-time high. Why? Because people are like, resources are getting scarce. This whole supply chain system is breaking down and the vaccinated getting sick and dropping out of the workforce, whether they die or not, it's having a huge impact and it's going to continue. It's going to go five X from here, likely to. And a lot of these companies and places and you know, they're just, they're not going to survive. So those of you that are employees, like, you know, to five Fox 20 here, like, what do you do? Or sorry, Eagle five Fox 20. Um, what do you do? Like eventually they're going to have to make the decision that like, we can't run that freight terminal anymore because we can't get the people. So what are they going to do? They're going to centralize at another one. So, you know, you might be looking, want to look, somewhere else to try and go run, uh, you know, freight for who knows, like you have the opportunity to either maybe find a safe haven in some kind of job that you think will be stable or, you know, in such demand that it shouldn't be hard to find work because there's, I think going to be a lot of people that are desperate through this process to find people to keep their doors open basically. Um, but you could also sort of take the lead and let management know, hey, this is what's happening. We need to adjust now. We need to close this distribution center and or consider shuttering it and running operations out of here until things improve. And I don't know that they're going to, and we need to prepare for that as well. So like, and, and I talk about this because I think a lot of you are going to be in that position. I mean, there's some companies, if you're at a big corporate fortune 500 or something, you're just going to fall on deaf ears. Right. Um, 
but a lot of this stuff is just going to disappear because the people that used to run it, that used to work the machinery, aren't around anymore. And that's going to have all these ripple effects. And at the same time, the money's hyperinflating. The grocery store shelves are empty. And that's going to go on for some undetermined period of time. And this is a giant red flag to me. Giant red flag. Another one that we looked at, remember, was um, when Nurse Sarah posted about adding 53 uh, cardiac, uh, you know, opening a new cardiac wing or something and hiring 53 people to work it. And I'm like, where are those people going to come from? You know, they don't just grow on trees. They have to be trained and go through medical school and so forth. Look at what's happening to the universities. Those professors are vaccinated. Most of the government employees are vaccinated. How many of them are going to be affected by these blood clots? And again, that's just one symptom of over 1,200. And that's before we get into what's going on with the lipid nanoparticle and what that does to the system versus the mRNA and the spike protein that it produces. Not to mention what it does to the immune system, shutting things off, taking away uh, key processes, uh, the ability of the cell to verify the integrity of DNA. You know, there's a, we're going to look at, um, at Gert Vandenbosch's video here, but he's been right about this going, going on over a year now. He's been laying out, here's what's coming, here's what's happening. And what he's saying now is that the genetic mutations and stuff that are coming will make what's happening to the vaccine injured look like a, a picnic. So... It's very, very concerning. Okay, so you can see steel went, you know, hit an all-time high. Nickel recently saw a similar spike, and when J.P. Morgan found themselves in a pickle, they closed the market for a week to, um, you know, sort things out from eighty thousand back down to to fifty, and then forty, <laughs> and they closed the market for a week. And then had this automatic price adjustment kind of thing because they had a short position that would have been very bad for them. A short squeeze, just like what happened with uh, GameStop. Right? And they had, to, they had to cheat. They cannot take these losses. They're gambling at s such a risk level that they can't absorb the losses. So they just screw over the, the system and cheat in order to keep the game going. That's the phase that we're in, and the government lets them get away with it. We're going to look at a little Ron Paul clip where he's going to hold Fauci to account. Have you seen his portfolio and the big pharma stocks that he owns? He's Yeah, he's really grilling it, sticking it to Fauci while he profits from the whole situation. We're heading into hyperinflation. It won't be long. 
Before store shelves empty, please prepare and understand the gravity of the situation we face. Their goal is to come out the other side of this with a greatly reduced population controlled by health passes tied to their central bank digital currency coupons that you're allowed to use provided you don't displease the bankers or their governments. They're wanting to take absolute and complete control of society and be able to turn you off and unplug you and leave you to, you know, go live in the sewers like from, uh, Oh, whatever that dystopian sci-fi movie was. <sighs> that's where this is heading. That's that's their goal. And yeah, yeah, got to be ready for this, folks, because it's coming. So, anyway, uh, to the lifeboats on Substack. It's to the lifeboats.substack.com for those of you that want to go subscribe. You can. Uh, and I've blogged as well. I used to be a blogger on Free Keen, and this is a story I think a lot of you would enjoy reading. Uh, it's, just, it's called A Story About Change, and, and it's Keen, K-E-E-N-E dot com, freekeen.com. So you can search that and bring this up. And I had an interaction with one of the city councilors there and was explaining how she was reacting to change. And I, I love the movie Pleasantville. I think it's a story about change, about the process people go through when presented with new ideas that challenge their paradigm. And that's absolutely what we're going through is really lengthy. I think a lot of you or some of you anyway would like that. So you're welcome to go look that up as well. I'll drop the link here in the chat. If I can, there it is. So, okay, now let's go back. To hear. Now, here's the attorney. This is Todd Callender. Yes. Okay. We know from the DMED database, the military's database, which we're looking at because that's our plaintiff class, that in 10 months of 2021, so not even the complete year, all causes, morbidity and mortality, had increased, according to the military's own numbers, by 1,100%, 1,100% over 2020. Among who? What was the population? Uh, between 18 and 40 was the DMED population, if memory serves. Uh, under in the military mil- members. Military yes, members. You. Yes, that's what I'm telling you. That is the database that we're operating on. And I've explained to you guys, we're at war, and they have just destroyed the, the United States military and their ability, the United States government's ability to respond to a threat by having their puppet Joe Biden push these vaccine mandates, they are now um, dishonorably discharging people, which, you know, I naively asked on Twitter, like, does that mean anything anymore? Because if I was hiring somebody, it wouldn't, because the government's just clearly dishonest and not honorable. And, you know, what does it even mean in, in today's world? But they pointed, some of the people pointed out that they basically turn you into a felon. You can't, own or possess, buy or possess a firearm. Uh, they kick you out of medical care, you know, kick you off the, the government teat, so to speak, and so forth. You can't get a government job ever. Um, some people say you'll be passed over for jobs in the private sector. Maybe. You know, some of them certainly, but I wonder how many. Like, I think that's probably changing. But it's absolutely disgraceful what they're doing to these people. And what's been allowed to be done to the military. 
And they are finding people dead in their bunks on base, on post. And it's happening more and more frequently. 1,100% increase. 1,100%? Yes, that's right. And if you, if you look at the way that the charts go, and don't forget I'm in the morbidity business. We underwrite accident, sickness, health, and disability insurance. If you look at the forecast, that should be in the neighborhood of 5,000% increase this year. Oh my gosh. Yeah, this is, a, this, is, this is genocide. You said it in the very beginning. Look, yep. one easy way to look at this is really simple. It, if you look at all of the documentation, Pfizer's documentation, the, uh, we did mass spectrometry on their vials. We know what's in these things. And in fact, they even admit that they added an HIV protein into the shots for the purpose of disabling people's autoimmune. Right? They couldn't slip these lipid nanoparticles, which are in fact little bombers. Now, I think he's mixing things up here. They added the pseudouridine to suppress the immune system and facilitate transfection into the cell, as I understand it. Uh, the lipid nanoparticles is the transfection agent. It's also highly toxic, collects in the ovaries, collects in the liver, you know, in various concentrations in all these places, collects in the heart in men, causes a lot of the myocarditis, pericarditis that we see. And it's extremely dangerous. You had the, the Pfizer VP over mRNA talk about it's okay for short therapies, meaning one or maybe two doses because of the toxicity, not that it's, you know, and, and of course in pigs, Stephanie Seneff pointed out after the second shot, they started having heart attacks. They're now recommending are pushing to recommend a fourth shot for a lot of these people. Why? Because it boosts an antibody count that as Gert is about to explain here is like utterly meaningless. Okay. That carry pathogenic proteins um, to, to effectuate gene modification in the individual gene therapy as they call it. And it does, of course, it's come out that it does modify the genes within six hours in the liver, reverse transfects, and then it becomes part of something that your body is going to produce going forward. You will have cells that will pump out a spike protein, and it will either be cleaved off and released to go and bind to an ACE2 receptor and scar some tissue in your vasculature. This is fibrotic disease. or an immune cell will come along and kill that cell, which is also not good. Oh boy, guys. In order to get those lipid nanoparticles past your cellular defense, your body's defense, they had to disarm your immune system. Yes. And they did that. It's in all the scientific papers. What they didn't do is undo that so effectively. And when you talk to our expert, what does they call it? autoimmune deficiency syndrome. That's basically vaccine AIDS. And right now they're coming to understand this. People are showing up HIV positive. People with three shots have no immune system left over whatsoever. There is no other way to characterize this other than intentional homicide, the unlawful taking of a human life, except that it's in large numbers, which makes it a genocide. Yep, absolutely. 
not only is it a genocide, but what we've been going through with all of these vaccine mandates is a Holocaust, right? And the only difference is they've swapped the gas chambers for soft kill delayed reaction injectables that will cause these the fibrin in your body to start sticking together and forming these long nets that will eventually starve your body for oxygen and start causing tissue death. At the same time, they have downregulated certain genes, suppressed certain genes that check for cancers. So they've set up this environment where you're likely to get cancer while blood clots are forming in your arteries. And, you know, and it go, the list goes on from there. That's why we're seeing the 12, over 1,200 different adverse reactions. And that's why in their trial, in the first few months, over 1,200 people died. And those 1,200 adverse reactions, those are not numbers. Those are types different of different conditions that they've seen as a result of these vaccines because of the fundamental levels at which they work. They are nightmarish and they should be halted immediately. And the fact that they're not should really open your eyes to what's happening here. Hope anyway. Okay. All right. So I'm hearing these reports that uh, life insurance companies are having skyrocketing rates of payouts yeah. and policies. What's happening? Well, if they're going to pay them out, in all likelihood, they won't pay them out. The reason why they won't is twofold. Number one, the margins are too thin in that business. You're making a percent and a half or something like that when you're underwriting this kind of risk. Secondarily, every contract like this, whether it's morbidity or whether it's mortality contracts, having the exclusions that we're not going to pay a claim if you undertook experimental therapy. And there was a case came out, I guess, about three weeks ago. It'll be a landmark case, and the judge looked at this and, and effectively called the person who took the experimental shot, who died, called it a suicide. He characterized it as a suicide because you knew or should have known that you were taking part in a, in a highly dangerous activity called a phase three clinical trial, and therefore you voided the coverage under the contract. The insurance company does not have to pay that claim. In fact, any insurance company has that kind of provision in their exclusions, and I can guarantee you almost all will, will not have to pay claims. Oh, my gosh, Todd. I, I had not thought about this because I was uh, thinking we're, we're going to see insurance companies go insolvent, file bankruptcy. They'll, they'll, be, they'll, be, they'll no. be wiped out. They'll be extra profitable. They're, they're going to make a ton of money on this. But it never occurred to me that they're going to actually say the, the vaccines are experimental, which we all right. we know that they're experimental. And yet people yes. are still taking them. And by the fact that they declare them to be experimental, it nullifies the coverage in the life insurance policy. I never thought about this. This is the way they'll get out of it. Now, this was something we talked about early on about these being experimental that exclude you from getting a life insurance policy. The difference, the gotcha has always been if the, if, if the vaccine was the cause of death, right? And I actually uh, disagree with Todd here 
I think they will pay these out. And the reason is because if, first off, what's happening here? So the courts are going in and they're saying, this guy committed suicide. That's exactly what he says here. Let me just play the rest of the clip of it. The court specifically, yes, exactly. And the court specifically found that participation in clinical trials is so hazardous that it, it voids the coverage of the insurance contract that you should or should have known. They treated it for purposes of the law as a suicide. The court is saying participating in a phase three clinical trial is suicide. That's the conclusion. And like that's happened. That's a real case. Listen. Yes, I'm telling you that. And it was about three weeks ago, and the court specifically found that the person had committed suicide for purposes of the law. And suicide is an exempted reason to pay. So these insurance companies are denying the payment. They're getting taken to court by the family, wanting the payout. And the courts are siding with the insurance companies, and they're not going to have to pay out. And, and then everybody, he's saying this is a precedent-setting case. And everybody's going to line up. All the other insurers are going to line up and say, me too. I, I want to cite that case. And that's what's happened here as well. So the insurance companies are going to prove it are going to say it's the vaccine and the courts are going to side with them. The problem with this is it's going to wake up far too many of the normies that they're trying to currently flush down the toilet. And that could create problems for the establishment, right? And it would be much easier in my mind for them to just make the existing dollar holders pay for this by printing some more money. I mean, it's going down the toilet anyway. Why not? What's a few extra billion, hundred billion dollars, right? And pay out these policies and keep these companies solvent in order to keep this quiet so that they don't take them to court and wake up the normies and cause more problems for the powers that be, right? So like, I think that's where this is going. Um, and again, he's talking about a 5,000% increase. We're at 1,100. This year, it's going to 5,000. It goes fi practically 5x from here. And the hospitals are already getting overwhelmed. The, it, it's going to crash, folks. At the same time, the workers are getting sick because they got pulled into it and, and coerced into it in many cases. And it's just, we're going to have to reorganize society at some very fundamental levels. And, you know, like in the case of, um, of Eagle 5 Fox 20, yeah, the stores that he delivers to, or, you know, what, I don't know what he hauled or anything, but say he's delivering, um, to a local grocery store food or something. They might've used to be able to get deliveries three days a week whenever they wanted. And now they're going to start getting deliveries twice a month on whatever day the trucking company tells them they'll get deliveries. Like that's maybe the paradigm shift here. And in the rest of the time, the store shelves are just empty. How many of these stores can, you know, are going to be able to operate and keep the doors open in that environment? Society is going to have to reorganize itself at some very, at a very fundamental level. And this is why, uh, 
you know, from the SHTF prepping episode that we did at the beginning of the whole coronavirus outbreak. I told you, you know, read the, the, what was it? Spiro, Spirico story, uh, from Bosnia about how he was saying people died because they didn't have the triple antibiotic to put on a, a, just a simple cut that got infected and, and cost them their life because they were in that environment. Do you know how many tubes of triple antiseptic antibiotic and so forth I've bought in the last three years? What was I buying six months ago and posting pictures of on Twitter? Canned meat. Because I like eating canned meat? No. But because it's a good store of protein and it was plentifully available a few months back. And it's a lot cheaper than it is now, isn't it? And that was in addition to the stored food that I've put together. That was just to kind of top things off heading into the crisis that I know we're going into. And those of you that listened and saw that as a sign and took action are in a much better position now. And, you know, there's still time to go out and get some of these things that they still had canned meat at the grocery store. Or, and I bought another, I don't know, 10 pounds of rice. Not because I needed it, but because it was there. They had even a 50-pound bag that I thought about getting. Because that's a great storable food. And you can even dry can it and where you heat it up to make it last longer. So, prepare. Please, please prepare. Okay. We're going to talk Gert here. This has... And... Um, this is from here. Let me blow it up full screen. Cove exit C O V E X I T.com. This is a podcast that he did <clears throat> with Dr. Peter McCullough. Now there's four parts to it. The first one, the host just kind of lays out. Here's the data that we're seeing part two, which is these excerpts are from, this is Gert giving his kind of presentation of what's happening, what process is going on, involving you know natural infection he's going to start out we're going to spend some time going through this uh natural infection and like what happened in world war one uh with the pandemic they had and versus what's happening today and why is it happening and what are the there's some complexities in the immune system like i said i've watched this i think at least five times it's about an hour and 15 minutes or so um and it's kind of hard to follow, but I want to give you like a conceptual understanding of it so that those of you that hopefully go and watch this will really be able to walk away with some of the finer points that took me a while to grasp here. Um, so let's go through this and just start off with kind of his introduction. It's already here. been documented in the literature for viral diseases that if you massively in this world was in animals, vaccinate uh, animals with a vaccine that prevents against disease, but not against infection, that this is basically forcing the virus to select mutations that enhance its infectiousness. And that's, of course, Merrick's disease in chickens. We've read you the stories about that because it's a non-sterilizing vaccine. 
same way the mRNA ones are working. That's one of the biggest problems here is how it interrupts the natural evolutionary process of the immune system with what they're doing and the way that they're doing it. So, oh, that was um, the end of that one. Well, we are dealing indeed with a pandemic, but we are no longer dealing with, I would say, the natural cause of a pandemic. So the natural cause of a pandemic and a very nice example is uh, the influenza pandemic back in uh, World War One. And there we had an influenza pandemic, which was not, I would say, influenced by any human intervention. Oh, <laughs> that was the end of the clip. So he's looking at, he's basically kind of, through this podcast, he kind of lays out, here's how it should naturally work. And he's going to make the case for why it infects the older population, more vulnerable, then in the second wave moves to a younger one without really having to evolve variants and that sort of thing just because of this natural immune process. Okay. So let's go. This is a pretty complex uh, interaction between the virus and the immune system and if you don't understand this phenomenon, if you don't understand the natural course of a pandemic, then I think you have no right whatsoever to intervene in that course, hoping that you will shift this into a kind of course that will be more beneficial for humankind. And I will show you that it is exactly the opposite what we are doing right now. Okay. The, the 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 arm of the innate of the immune system that has been completely but completely neglected in the whole consideration of how this pandemic spreads amongst the population. It's the innate immunity. So we have the innate the, the immune system has two arms: the innate immune system and the acquired immune system. So the acquired immune system. These are the specific antibodies that the body will build once you have gotten the disease, uh, you build antigen-specific antibodies, and uh, those will protect you. But you have the other arm, which is the innate immune response, and this immune response is not, we call this antigen-specific, I could say, is not variant-specific, it is uh, not even corona-specific, so it can cover a large amount of different viruses, for example, certainly all coronaviruses, certainly all variants of COVID. And how does that work? Well, it works through what we call natural antibodies. So the natural antibodies are already present at birth. Oh, sorry. I wanted to stop right there and just kind of reiterate and rehash some of those points that he was making, because that's an important thing to understand here. That's kind of fundamental to what he's trying to convey. Your innate immune system, that's your first line response. The way it works, you have these, these cells that will go and eat a virus, chop it up into little bits, express those bits to the surface, allow the immune system to come and inspect the little snippets of genetic code, like 
you know, we looked at the 19NT gene sequence. It's in the Moderna patent from uh, 2016 and several of them uh, that is in the SARS-CoV-2 uh, spike protein or FCS for an cleavage site. So it knows all of those pieces. Some of those pieces are from the spike protein. Some of those are from the body of the virus itself. And those are going to be more common across all of the different coronavirus variants, right? So that's how they the innate immune system comes in and finds those cells and kills them. Whereas the single antigen, this is what's induced by the vaccine, is only creating an antibody that sticks to uh, that that spike protein. It does. It ignores the rest. You've got the end protein and you've got the shell. And I think there's one other one. Um, it sticks to that spike. It's very good. High affinity is what he's going to get into here of it uh, binding. And what that does is end up outcompeting the innate immune system. And there's also this period where the innate immune system gets suppressed. And that's where the reinfection happens, where it moves from the older age group into the younger age group. Hopefully that makes sense. Uh, he's going to talk through it some more, but I, I'm just trying to make sure you guys follow along because it it was hard for me the first first several times. <laughs> oh, are we at the end? Yeah, let's go to the next. Well, the natural antibodies, they can complex with the virus. So they can recognize the virus. They can build a complex with the virus, as you can see here. And then this complex is in fact, internalized into what we call antigen-presenting cells. What is an antigen-presenting cell? Well, let's, let's keep things very simple. An antigen-presenting cell is a cell of the immune system that is going to internalize a foreign body, for example, a virus, and that is going to digest that virus and then present the pieces of that virus on this on its surface yeah, you see the small uh, bullets here on the surface of the antigen presenting cell and that is basically required in order for the immune system to well recognize the it's training the immune system to attack coronaviruses right the the pathogen so the path when people that are asymptomatically infected will clear the virus what we see is that all of a sudden we see a surge in antibodies a surge in antibodies uh, that is not extremely high certainly the antibody levels are not as high as in people who get symptomatically infected and the surge is also short-lived so what does that mean well it means that after infection get cleared Okay, so again, he's talking about people naturally infected with the full coronavirus and are asymptomatic, meaning they don't develop the disease because their innate immune system comes in, attack, identifies it correctly, attacks it, kills it, knocks it out within a week. They might be transmissible during that week, but someone who develops the disease is going to be shedding and, uh, I guess, communicable. Uh, able to spread the virus to others for several weeks while they're suffering from the illness, right? 
And so that's what he's kind of breaking down this natural process of creating these short-lived weaker antibodies to, I think, train the immune system after it's gone in and attacked and killed the cells. It sort of occupies the attention of the immune system and uh, lowers its capacity, its ability to respond. And that's where the opportunity presents for secondary infection, for a variant or something to come in. You know, people develop their antibodies, but in six to eight weeks, these antibodies are no longer detectable. So again, you could say, well, okay, that is an interesting observation. Uh, but I was like asking myself, how does that come? What is the purpose of this? Because these antibodies don't play any role in eliminating the virus. I was just saying the NK cells, the natural killer cells take care of this. And on top, these, these antibodies come at a point in time where in fact the virus has already been eliminated. So it can't be that these antibodies are responsible for eliminating the virus. So what is their role? Again, if you think that during thousands and millions of years, sometimes of evolution, and coronaviruses being established in all kinds of mammalian and vertebrate populations, this would be a phenomenon that is just there and doesn't make sense. You're completely wrong. Because if, that, if it wouldn't make sense, if it wouldn't have any significance, then evolution would not conserve this type of things. So this is the point where I'm saying, if you study this and you don't understand what this means, then stop it or you do your homework and try to find out what is going on here. Because one yeah. thing is certain, because this phenomenon got conserved throughout evolution, throughout the co-evolution of the pathogen with the immune system, it is important. And so you... It's serving some kind of purpose to have those short-lived antibodies that get trained by the antigen presenting cells, I think is probably what's going on. And with vaccination, that's not necessarily happening. Better find out what is the meaning thereof. So what is the meaning? Well, and still don't look at the slide. You have to realize that antibodies that are specific, because these antibodies are specific for the spike protein, they have always a higher affinity. I hope people can understand the word affinity. They have a higher affinity for the spike protein than the natural antibodies. I was just saying the natural antibodies, they recognize the virus as one entity. The antigen specific antibodies induced by natural infection or by vaccination they specifically recognize spike protein. So they have a high affinity for the spike protein. Meaning they're just, they're better at binding to it than the other cells. They will outcompete innate immunity, your first line defense, and dock with those uh, S1, the spike protein. So now when it comes to binding to the spike protein, of course, the specific antibodies will always have a higher affinity than the natural antibodies. And now we okay. 
natural antibodies, and, and this is this is key. They have a broad, a broad binding capacity. They can bind. I read, uh, I already mentioned this previously. They can bind as well without any difference to the original virus as to the variants. Because I, as I was saying, they are recognizing patterns on the surface of those viruses, and those patterns, these molecular patterns, are conserved. So, okay. So what he just said there. The innate immune system, the, in, the natural killer cells, and and some of the others that will go and eat the antigen presenting cells, they can bind just as well, uh, but they're getting out competed by these antigen specific binders, right? Like they're made specifically to dock with that spike protein, so they will do it. They're more likely to do it before the other cell, the the innate immune cells. Their binding strength to those guys is identical, but their binding strength is always lower than the, for the spike protein. Their binding strength for the spike protein is always lower than antibodies that are specifically directed against the spike protein. Now, what have they done here? They've pumped the body full of these spike proteins, so the immune system is very good at producing those antibodies over and over again to bind to that specific spike protein, bam, locks it down. What has that done? This is what he's going to get into next. It has created um, escape pressure to be able to, uh, you know, what he describes is it, it will still bind to the cell, but it will, the spike will mutate in a way that will, or sorry, it will still bind with the antibody, but it will mutate in a way that it can also bind to the cell and infect the cell. So even though it's there, it's doing its job, it's not going to stop the disease, right? So that, that's kind of where he's going with this. If I understand, I'm probably getting some details wrong. So, you know, go watch this video and see if you can make better sense of it. But I, I'm pretty sure that's what he's describing. Oh. Why am I saying that those antibodies are outcompeting natural antibodies for binding to spike protein? Because the spike protein is so important. It is the spike protein that is responsible for interacting with the receptor. So it is the spike protein, in other words, that is responsible for the infectiousness of the virus. Getting into the cell is what he's explaining there. So variants have a higher binding strength to the receptor than the original virus has. To the cell rather than the antibody. Hence why these variants have higher infectiousness. So what counts in terms of antibodies is always the binding strength to the spike protein because that matters in terms of infectivity, infectiousness of the virus. So if you have natural antibodies, oh, you're sorry, if you have specific antibodies, they will in terms of binding to the spike protein, outcompete the natural antibodies. 
So I was just saying the natural entity. And it's not 100%, 0%. It's just an, it's an affinity. So it's moving the threshold, you know, in the favor of the uh, specific antibodies. Bodies are the guys that enable protection against all those variants. So now, wait, so now we are going to recapitulate a little bit because I was talking about the waves in the natural course of the pandemic. We are still talking about natural course of the pandemic. The second wave, okay? The second wave, the young people that had good innate immunity, what happens? They get infected. They got infected with the virus during the first wave. No problem. They didn't get a disease, but they started to develop, of course, a short lift surge in antibodies. Right? That's this boost in antibodies that comes along and it leaves them vulnerable. With relatively low affinity, uh, uh, short lift, not high concentrations. So normally that doesn't matter, that doesn't, you know, that, that is not a problem. Unless, unless at that very moment where they have this short-lived surge in antibodies, they get reinfected. Because if they get reinfected at that very moment where they have this short-lived antibodies, they will be facing a suppression of their natural antibodies. The natural antibodies will be outcompeted. They are bypassed. And when this natural immunity is going to disappear, these youngsters become susceptible because they cannot rely on these antibodies, certainly not if there are variants, because I was just saying they have low affinity. They will still bind to the, to the, to the spike protein, but this binding to the spike protein will not because it's so weak, it will not prevent these variants from binding to the receptor on the susceptible cells. And that is because this binding is very, very strong. I was just saying these guys are highly infectious. They have changed their S protein in a way that they can bind much stronger to the epithelial cells. Even when they've docked with an antibody is what he's saying. And I don't think this is antibody dependent enhancement that he's describing that's where it would like take over the antibody and use it to make more spikes i think this is more it's just irrelevant right like and that's this whole thing with this booster program that's what they're boosting but what's missing in a lot of these people is this process where the natural immune system gets to confront the virus attack it inspect all the pieces and so forth, and then improve its ability to uh, resist, right? That's being wiped out in the vaccinated populations. And instead, they are pushing their body constantly and constantly and constantly to build more of these antibodies to come in and bind to the spikes, which are now evolving to still be able to dock with cells and create the disease, Except when they do it, because the body, the immune system is producing all of these antibodies, it's not able to attack with its innate immune system. Hopefully that makes sense because that's, I think, that really the core of his message is we're focusing on this over here and neglecting this natural innate immune system and, and like interrupting its ability to properly assess the pro address the problem right okay 
Oh, that was the end. People get infected, infection is spreading, the infectivity rate in the population is increasing. So you get more and more virus in the population. So, and this is important, the likelihood, now the likelihood that somebody who happens to have the short-lived race in antibodies gets reinfected at that very moment becomes higher and higher. So the likelihood that somebody gets a suppression of its innate immune response becomes higher and higher as the infectivity in the population spreads and increases. So with increasing infectivity in the population, the likelihood that young people who had a good innate immunity and because of that reason were protected during the first wave are facing momentarily at a very moment of the reinfection, a surge in their antibodies becomes increasingly likely. And hence it becomes increasingly likely that they get reinfected at the very moment where their innate immune uh, system gets suppressed because the um, natural antibodies are outcompeted. And that is the reason why all of a sudden the virus can shift or the wave of disease and death can shift to the youngsters, to the young people without any, without any need for the virus to increase, in fact, uh, its infectiousness. So that is a natural process, right? That's leaving the vaccine out of it. That's from his World War I example, right? Of kind of how the virus sort of moves into these different populations. But then he's going to address, okay, what happens when you throw the vaccine in the picture? And that's where the immune system is just being driven and driven and driven to create these antibodies. So that it, which do provide some temporary relief, but at what cost, right? And that's what we covered earlier in the show. So it can infect again its people. And, but what happens here is that these people, a, a large part of these people have already seen the virus, right? So they can immediately reactivate their immune system because we call this immunological memory, antigen-specific antibodies, the spike-specific antibodies, they have immunological memory. So once they have seen, when, when they have seen the virus and they see it again, like half a year later or even a year later, they can immediately bombard the virus with a huge um, uh, raise and concentration in antibodies. So more and more, the virus will infect for a second time. People who have seen the virus will immediately uh, come up with a huge, a huge uh, concentration of antibodies that will, of course, diminish the spread of the virus. And that is how we ultimately get to this kind of herd immunity. So that is important to understand because the question now is what happens if we have for example, in this stage, and frankly speaking, that is exactly what, at least in Europe, we are seeing right now. We are seeing that a lot of young people now get infected, more and more youngsters get to the hospital, get severe disease, because that is the place where the, the virus is now causing disease and death. You know, we are having young people, children who were perfectly healthy, who are now on mechanical ventilation, right? And they had no underlying disease, but they had suppression of their innate immunity because 
of the short-lived antibodies that they had and during that time they were infected reinfected with 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 the virus so uh so that's where they caught them in this window and that's what's happening to a lot that's where these second waves are coming from um this is important i would say uh to understand because if you now consider that we are massively implementing infection prevention measures we are of course giving the virus a very difficult time by yeah exactly what have we been doing we have exactly try, uh, trying to prevent we have been trying to prevent the infectivity of the virus so the virus what is the virus the by only focusing on the spike protein i think is what he's pointing out and and really like cutting the innate immune system out of the process with vaccination virus is going you know to select mutations in the spike protein that enable it to counter this effect of infection prevention and that is how we see all these mutations in in very particular domains in the s protein that are responsible for enhanced binding to the receptor and who says enhanced binding to the receptor says automatically enhanced uh, infectivity so there is something that is uh, that people you know disagree with me um but again i'm challenging them to have a scientific debate so mm -hmm. but what happens if you now prevent those people who were infected and got the disease during the first wave if you prevent them from having declining antibody types what happens in other words if you immunize these people like we have been doing at least in in a lot of european countries we have started with immunizing the vulnerable people so and not just them but across all age groups with these repeated doses that inject more of this mRNA that's going to transfect and induce your cells to produce it going forward. And it is a, it is a toxic bioweapon. These people due to vaccination have now long-lived antibody titers. And, you know, the virus just cannot get in because they are to some extent protected. And they are protected maybe, and we know this, against the variant strains we know that uh, shedding is taking place and that the vaccines cannot prevent uh, these uh, highly infectious strains from being shed. But that is not the mo most interesting scenario for the virus. As I was saying, the, for the virus, in order to ensure its perpetuation, it is critical that it can make these people ill. Because if you make the people ill... Meaning that it can bind with cells, so it adapts to where it can, even if it's got a, an antibody stuck to it, it can still bind to a cell, transfect, and uh, do its thing, right? Cause the disease, cause the illness. Being a virus, you will ensure, you know, very strong and a long-lived uh, viral, viral shedding. And that is, that is needed, uh, frankly speaking, to, uh, for the virus to uh, continue or to ensure its, uh, its perpetuation more and more infections now if you prevent this and to some extent we are still preventing it just quite recently as jean-pierre jean -Pierre showed that we have now even some strains where we have only like 20 30 percent of efficacy against disease 
but uh, so far we still had some protection against uh, against the disease and so the virus was not really you know doing very much in terms of ensuring its perpetuation in the vaccinated people so then it has no choice but it has to stay with the younger people but there the reservoir got almost exhausted of people that po potentially could get a disease so what it, is it going to do it is going to increase in the, its infectiousness because when it increases its infectiousness and i was saying the condition is there because these people are now with increasing infection rate uh, increasingly exposed to reinfection with the virus while they are having uh, suboptimal antibody titers and so the virus can escape and the virus will increase its infectiousness and by increasing its infectiousness i mean people you know will become more susceptible so their natural antibodies get suppressed that is during natural infection but now by increasing its infectiousness it can make these people much more susceptible so it will take a bigger part of the younger population mm -hmm. just by increasing its infectiousness and that is what we are seeing right now the virus has to stay with the younger people and and you know the wave of disease in the younger people uh, must increase in order for, for the virus to uh, ensure its perpetuation. And so that is where uh, the vaccination is uh, uh, starting to have dramatic effects. And people say, well, you know, no, no, no. And, and the reaction is, of course, oh, wow, these vaccines protect elderly people. Look, I mean, there is less hospitalization, there's fewer hospitaliz hospitalizations, they don't get severe disease. So what we need to do is to vaccinate younger people. I mean, this is just going to be a catastrophe because we see already that the virus is escaping all the time to the antibody responses. So frankly speaking, it's just a matter of days or weeks till we have full resistance, yes, resistance against those vaccines, also in terms of protecting against disease. And what's happening then... And I think that's where it's much more antibody-dependent enhancement. ...is that folks who got vaccinated, you know, they can simply throw their antibodies in the bin they are vaccinal antibodies, but they also have no longer, they can no longer rely on their innate immunity. Why is this? Well, I, I told you previously that despite the fact that these antibodies will no longer prevent the virus from interacting with the receptor on the cell, they, their binding will still be strong enough to the spike protein to outcompete the natural antibodies. So you're left with nothing. If if you would not have get a vaccine or you would not have the, these antibodies, you would still be able to rely on the only ally that is left, which is your innate immunity. And so uh, I think this is really the core of, uh, of my message that uh, antigen-specific antibodies, they may be, they can be detrimental especially in people who have or in good health because people who are in good health they can rely on their innate immunity provided provided they get regularly exposed why i'm saying this because the innate immunity has no memory it's like you're sitting on your chair for like three weeks your muscles are gonna wane you know i mean it is the same with the innate immune response. It, your innate immunity, if it's not trained, if you, if, you, if you don't go out, if you're not exposed, if you're locking young people, etc., their innate immune, uh, immune system will not be trained. 
But if you're in good health and you train this, you will have a strong innate immunity. What is the advantage? For God's sake, innate immunity protects <laughs> against all variants, against all coronavirus. So it is incredibly precious. So you cannot put this uh, at stake. It's, it's just in, uh, impossible. It's your first line defense. It's your first line defense. And the vaccines are weakening it to eliminating it because it goes about the process backwards. Dr. Nathan Thompson, I think that's what he was really getting at is it infects from the inside out, whereas natural infections occur from the outside in and have this process that sets up the best protection that you can get. And they tried to short circuit that without really fully understanding the consequences and the, um, chain the the other events that they were setting into motion and that's what he was referencing in the very beginning if you don't know what you're doing you shouldn't be touching this or you should be really diving in to make sure you understand every nuance and facet of how the immune system operates before you try and hack it which is what they've done speaking of you know, people in the younger age group. So what did he just say? It's going to become more infectious, more deadly for people in the younger age groups. Look at this story. Dr. Sarah Beth Hartledge of the Louisville Metro Department of Health and Wellness is joining us again this morning. Everyone you see behind me getting a vaccine. So this was, again, I think January of 2001. They're prioritizing the government, of course. Today is um, a Jefferson County public school employee. So right after you. Because the, the school teachers can't have them not be there, right? We've got to get them vaccinated. By the way, folks, what do you think is going to happen to the school system going through this? That's why we had Laura Cronin on to talk through what was, ha- you know, the basics of homeschooling. Because a lot of you are going to find yourself having to solve that problem. I'm laughing because of some of the interactions with uh, patrons lately because I haven't posted for seven days or whatever it is. I don't know Um, because I took and spent four days off with my daughter and they're like, Sam, where's your Twitch channel? Sam, where's this? Sam, where's that? And I'm like, if you don't figure out how to solve your your own problems, you're not going to make it like that's the risk you're taking, guys. I've dropped breadcrumbs this entire time. Every one of my profiles had the tap link, full link list of all the platforms that stays updated. I've already been deplatformed from Linktree onto this alternative platform that seems fine. How many people bookmarked it? No, it's right there in the profile of the account that just got deleted. And where's the, what happened to Twitch? (laughs) You have to realize the topics that we're tackling on this show are going to come with some pushback. Okay. And I, so I can do stuff about some of it. I can't do stuff about others. Right. So, okay. Let's watch this clip. You get the shot. Some people do feel kind of warm or tingly. It's pretty common to have some pain at the injection site, a little bit of fatigue and maybe some aches in uh, your muscles or a headache. Uh, But, or any of these other lists of 1200, reactions including most people tolerate it really quite well what do we really need to know 
Tell us. So the first thing to note is that it's very normal for viruses to change and mutate. Think about the flu. That's why we have to get a different flu shot every year because the flu changes constantly. Of course, we know from just listening to Gert go through his presentation that, yeah, they move between populations and you get the first wave and the second wave. But that's more of a survival mechanism. They don't typically adapt to become more infectious, which is what they've done. Why? Because you mass vaccinated into a pandemic, a vaccine that attempts to stop infection while also preventing the body's natural response from taking place so that you have a robust protection. This is why the unvaccinated, previously infected, have the best protection, and even the CDC can't hide that reality with their fabricated bullshit data. That's how much better it is. So what she's selling is a lie. Now, I I think she believes it, but she's been fed a load of bullshit. She didn't do her homework or wasn't smart enough to figure it out. And she's here training the public to nonsense, to buy into this. So this is not a new or scary thing that's unique to COVID. All viruses do this. Most of the variants have been found to be more transmissible, which means it's more contagious. More infectious. Why? Well, Gert just told us. Uh, But if you get the infection, it doesn't appear to be more severe or more deadly. Well, unless, you know, your your innate immune system is suppressed because of the repeated antibody production. What do you think could happen then? The Louisville mayor's office has announced the sudden passing of assistant health director, Dr. Sarah Beth Hartledge. The office did not elaborate on what led to her death. This uh, really rocked all of us because she was a rock during our public health crisis with COVID-19. And she was in charge of the city's efforts to combat the virus. So important to find a trusted source. Uh, because just because it's on the internet doesn't necessarily mean it's true. Just because the government tells you something doesn't mean it's true either. She was 36 years old and she's dead. Gert probably just explained exactly what happened to her. Of course, it could have been a heart attack, could have been the blood clots. It could have, there's, there's so many pathways here. It's hard to really say, and that's why they're trying to come up with as many excuses as they can to sweep these all under the rug. But it's about to 5X, and I don't think they're going to be able to hide that. So I saw some of you in the chat were um, a while back talking about everyone in my kid's school is vaxxed and uh, everyone at work. So I'm curious uh, if you guys want to comment or jump on spaces. Uh, I'll keep an eye out for that as well. Uh, like what, if you're seeing something similar to this, right, this story right here where, you know, you're 
production or your job function is just shut down because too many people are out sick or supply chains breaking down and you want to talk about that, I would love to hear it and I'll bring you on. Um, okay. Let me go. Where was I? Yeah, here's another one. So this one is a recording from, I've changed my thinking about border control. Maybe all that keeps going, huh? Okay. Let me give you this in simple terms. Not that you're a simple man. Oh, I am a simple man. I'll agree. <laughs> this has got, this is um, Chuck Woolery's podcast. Now he's 81. He's double jabbed as he's going to tell us. He did in the 80s and 90s. And I think maybe even the 70s, he was like, uh, did some of the game shows and stuff with relationships and so forth. Really nice guy has a really great podcast that I had never heard before. I saw Dr. Fenn was on there and she comes on the previous time with two other doctors. Uh, this has Dr. Fenn, Dr. Cole and Dr. Chris, which I'm not familiar with yet. And they're kind of bringing him up to date on, you know, the latest information of, of what's happening. And uh, he asked that uncomfortable question being double jabbed what does this mean for me? And and I want you to hear kind of them hemming and hawing a little bit to answer it because it's not an easy thing to address with people. Oh, I can't do that. Hold on. <laughs> Own up to it. What we're doing with these injections and we'll get the doctor's input is the idea of a vaccine is supposed to be to help support your immune system or improve your immune system. What we are doing is we are making people immunocompromised. Right. We're damaging their immune system so that they will now for life be dependent on more injections in order to live. We're and that's why they're coming out with all of these new mRNA therapies to fix the problems that they created with version one, right? Doing the opposite of what we should be doing. So let me ask a question. Since my wife insisted, and I'm now almost a week away from 81, she insisted that I had the uh, the shot, and so I got the double shot. And now it was time for booster, and I went, no, I'm not going to do that. No. So when will this will this ever wear off of me? Will will I ever just outgrow this, or will it go away, uh, or will it constantly be working on my body? To where so, I can't by the way, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to fly you to Detroit. I'm going to fly you back to Detroit and I'm going to put you through some 10 pass ozone treatments. Yeah. <laughs> and try to get rid of it. What do you guys think of that? So, it, so it, well, you can't get rid of it on your own. You have to use something else. Is that correct? Well, I, let me just first make something super clear. Um, once Fenn? you've programmed your cells to produce this spike. It is a genetic program. It is going to do that continually. It will not stop. It's not reversible unless there's a genetic reversal of some. So what is she talking about right there? The reverse transcription that starts occurring six hours uh, after post-injection within the liver cells, meaning that mRNA gets copied back into the DNA and your cell from there from henceforth, even the ones that divide will continue producing spike proteins. 
So your body's going to get this constant supply of this toxic spike protein that's causing scarring of the vasculature, that's causing uh, fibrotic disease to develop, right? Remember the the uh, tennis player that was, it feels like pens and needles? Yeah, because you those spike proteins are creating thousands of tiny cuts of, of dead cells throughout your body. And, and you probably have clots that are starving it of oxygen at the same time, causing further tissue death, damage and death, and, or I guess cell death. Which would also show some unintended consequences, in my opinion. But that said, there are things that you can do to mitigate the damage, to slow the damage. We, we so far... And that's really the, the thing I think to express to people. It's a condition that you have that you can manage and do, you know, some things to improve, but it's not something that you, you can't unring the bell. If you took the shot and got the active ingredient, you can't. We've tested up to this point and still find circulating spike in, on exosomes and monocytes and in various uh, organs. So we haven't seen evidence that it stops yet. And we also, and this is one of my hypotheses. Now, what did she mention there? We have no evidence that the spike protein stops. Every study, we, and we've covered at least, I think, three of the, the more significant ones show that it's still around like they check it they check it even later they check it even later i think it was six months was the last one it's still around like there's still the lnp with the full genome in there able to transfect cells and and have them start producing spike proteins and it's going to get recorded back into the dna and that's what your body does for life. And Gert, who we just went through his presentation, that's what scares him even more than the adverse reactions and deaths that we're seeing from the vaccine. What this is actually going to do to the human race in terms of birth defects, um, infertility, and on and on. Hypothesis. You know, everybody has gut flora. Uh, bacteria in the gut replicate on its own. It doesn't require your cells like a virus does. You know, who's to say that some of these LNPs aren't working on these bacteria and as they replicate in your gut, they continue to produce spike. We don't know any of this yet. Um, I know Ryan has some uh, things to add, but uh, there are things that can help to mitigate. There are treatments, there are medications that can help and have done wonderfully in vaccine, vaccine injured patients. But um, people always say, how do I detox of all of it? And, you know, just judging on the mechanism involved, there's no detoxing all of it. Can't. It is part of you now. Yeah. Um, Ryan, if you want to jump in here. Yeah. I, and that's a great point, Lynn, because that question of, can I detox? Well, 
once you've triggered your immune system to do something, I, I, I do this in a lot of my talks. Look, a good antibody is forever. So is a bad antibody. Mm-hmm. And so we have the memory cells that are going to be making antibodies forever against the Wuhan spike, but not against the new variants. So your immune system will always have that pattern memorized. And to Chris's point, some of our other immune cells have been almost kind of shut down and weakened by this spike. So, I mean, the key is to just optimize your health. The good news is the majority of people still seem to be doing fine for now, which is great. But, you know, we still see more damage than any other medical product ever put out on humanity. We have people trying to mandate something that's still experimental, not even approved. Well, you know, approved but not available in the U.S. So to the point of detoxing from it, optimizing immune health, absolutely. Getting rid of it forever, no evidence that we can yet. No evidence that we can yet. Like you're stuck with it. At the same time, it's growing in, it's growing blood clots perpetually in a lot of you, in some of you, some portion of you. It's already causing workforce disruptions and everything else. And it's about to 5x, according to the insurance companies taking their best guess. The, the, Healthcare systems are going to be overwhelmed. They're going to completely collapse. No, you know, if that happens, there's no way they survive this. No way. If they lose 30, 40% of their staff, they're going to be in the same situation as this guy right here. There's just not sufficient staff to run the hospital today. Sorry. But don't worry, Rand Paul is going to solve this problem for everyone. Do you think that Dr. Fauci is going to escape justice after all of this carnage that we've seen in this country? And what have you have in store for him? Well, tomorrow we'll have a health committee meeting and there'll be a bill presented and I will present an amendment that will get a vote on eliminating Anthony Fauci's position. I think we should eliminate his position, divide it into three and appoint three new directors that will be approvable by the Senate. The problem with having only one person and having everything go before him for like 40 years is that he has monopolized power and he's created a culture that's not conducive to scientific inquiry. You need people who question. That's what science is about. It's about questioning and putting forth your your hypothesis and then trying to prove it with experiments. But he So my hypothesis, Rand Paul, since we're talking science here, so having this government in charge of everything, you know, for like 250 years, that they've used that to create a monopoly and control, you know, whether or not you can get on an airplane or drive in a car or leave the, the plantation or drive a truck commercially. They've taken over healthcare. And now they're trying to spring the final trap, which is, I guess, the, the vaccine passport combined with the CBDC, where they can control every aspect and approve every aspect of your financial transactions. 
So, you know, what you spend your money on, oh, I'm sorry, those items are prohibited for purchase for you. Maybe because of your social credit score, maybe for some other reason. You want to support WikiLeaks? Oh, I'm sorry, we've labeled them a terrorist organization. You're not allowed to transact with them. When you spend your money, oh, I'm sorry. This is during the lockdown period. You're not allowed outside of your house. You cannot transact. You cannot buy this gas during curfew hours. We're sorry. Thank you for coming. I mean, every single aspect of it, while they force you into this kind of medical tyranny, and his answer is, well, we'll fire the figurehead and replace him with three guys because that will fix the corruption. And I'm like, hello, Rand Paul. Do you not see what's happening at the SEC right now? That's supposedly this committee that there's no way it could be corrupted, and yet here they are supporting Bitcoin and Ethereum the, in the best interest of China while pushing down Ripple, a U.S. solution that would give uh, you know, more influence, I think, over the global financial system to the West than the East. And like, if we don't stop it, it's a pretty dark world for our children. You would have zero autonomy over anything that goes on. And Rand Paul's solution here is we're going to fire the guy and replace him with three people. Shown Dr. Fauci and Dr. Collins have both shown that they they're, they they'll get into the mud if you don't agree with their political opinions they'll go after you that's why I, the last time I had an exchange with Dr. Fauci we asked him about some emails between him and Dr. Collins and in the emails he says let's do a dramatic takedown of three scientists who they disagreed with politically. Of course, he's holding pharma stock while he's doing this, profiting, you know, nice little penny. And like their solution as well, let's, we just got to get the Republicans in charge so that we can take this over and uh, we'll fix all these problems because the, the Republicans haven't grown the government when they've been in charge, have they? They haven't taken away freedoms when they've been in charge, have they? They haven't grown the deficit when they've been in charge, have they? It's just, it's, it's, it's a complete pointless distraction. Well, when a person like Dr. Fauci controls $5 billion worth of money, it's not good that we have a really petty tyrant who wants to take down the people he disagrees with. And that's not conducive to scientific inquiry. So it's long past time that we remove him from government. And I think really the power should be split up into three different positions. And then one person wouldn't have a monopoly of so much power that they could use against their enemies. So you're effectively firing him by eliminating his position and then dividing into three different titles. Do you think that Dr. Fauci is going to escape justice after all of this carnage that we've seen in this country? And what have you had? Of firing him and replacing him with three people. But the government will still have control, this death grip over health care or whatever's going to be left of it, which I don't think is much. But this is what we have to fix. 
government having a monopoly over which medical procedures we choose to employ for our health, over what drugs we choose to take for our own bodies, is none of their fucking business. And we should have free market solutions that have access to all of these drugs, get the government out of this, and allow organizations to come up with best practices that physicians or doctors or naturopaths or whatever they are, whatever kind of qualifications they want to require, you jump through the organization's hoops and then you can register and become one of their physicians or one of their naturopaths or one of their acupuncturists or whatever. And they can have standards and best practices for drug prescriptions. And if you don't follow their rules, they can kick you out so that they main some maintain some kind of control and unlicense you. But then you're not removed from the profession. You're free to go start your own or join a different one that employs a different strategy. That's how science is supposed to work. And then the best in class advance, you know, draws more customers because what they're doing works. And that is a far superior system than one the government is going to dictate and tell us thou shall use and thou shall have no other before me. Because that's what's going on today. Rand Paul isn't fixing this. He's not leading us to a free society. He's leading us to a free-range prison where your choices will be yours within the narrow confines of acceptable thought and the options government affords you. That's the world they're trying to take us into. So, all right, that's it. If you have questions, ask them now. If you want to jump in on spaces, raise your hand and you can bring up anything. And I'll give you all just a minute. So the skirt video is excellent. Again, that's, uh, that's part two. Covexit.com is the website. If you just type that in, Gert and um, Peter McCullough. I think that's so important to understand because I think absolutely that's Dr. what Sarah happened. Dr. Sarah Beth Hartley. To, what was it, Sarah Hartley? The Louisville Hartlich Metro here. Department of Health and Wellness is is they jacked with her immune system and she didn't survive it. And a lot of people are not going to survive this. And you need to be prepared for the fallout that's coming. So, all right, you guys are quiet tonight. Down another streaming platform. They deleted the second one. So, you know, what are you going to do? Maybe come back a little later. We'll see. <laughs> anyway, Hope you all enjoyed it. This will be out on all the other, uh, you know, rumble and I'll try and put it up in some other places as well and, uh, share this as much as you want and help people see what's coming because the time to prepare is your, your ability to prepare for what's coming, I think is rapidly, rapidly coming to a close. So there you go. I'm Sam. I am. We'll catch y'all next broadcast, everybody. Hello. My name is Montague William III. And what I will tell you 
may well sound absurd. But the less uh, who believe... You know what? One more thing. Um, I think the, the government might be coming after NAC, uh, N-acetylcysteine. <clears throat> At the end of the month, I think they're trying to regulate it or something or ban it from sale. This is one of the more effective ones. And I've got like a two-year supply. I don't have any affiliation with Life Extension, but these guys make really good stuff and you can get it from them. You can get it from a number of places, but not Amazon. They pulled it based on a bunch of bullshit, but like these guys, this is their, uh, like magazine publication that they do. And you can see a solution for brain fog. They know exactly what's happening and they're trying to, they're reading some of the same studies that like Walter Chestnut and some of the others are looking at. And so, uh, that they're putting formulations together to try and treat uh, some of these things that are happening to people. So I think it's an excellent company and worth, uh, worth looking at life extension. They're on, they're on Twitter as well. There it is right there. So, and then, you know, their stuff is, I've definitely noticed a difference when I got on that and off the China crap vitamins that's at Walmart or other places like that. So there you go. That's it. I'm out of here for real. Bye y'all. Hello. My name is Montague William III, and what I will tell you may well sound absurd, but the less who believe it, the better for me. For you see, I'm in banking and big industry. For many a year, we have controlled your lives, while you all just struggle and suffer in strife. We created the things that you really don't need, your sports cars and fashions and plasma TVs. I remember it clearly, how all this began. Family secrets from father to son. Inherited knowledge that gives me the edge while you people lie sleeping at night in your beds. We control the money that controls your lives while you worship false idols and wouldn't think twice of selling your souls for a place in the sun. These things that just won't matter when your time is done. But as long as they're there to control the masses, I just sit back and consider my assets safe in the knowledge that I have it all, while you common people are losing your jobs. You see, I just hold you in utter contempt, but the smile on my face, well, it makes me exempt. For I have the weapon of global TV, which gives us connection and invites empathy. You would really believe that we look out for you, while we bankers and brokers are only a few. But if you saw that, then you'd take back the power, hence daily terrors to make you all cower. The panics, the crashes, the wars and the illness that keep you from finding your spiritual wholeness. 
we rig the game and we buy out both sides to keep you enslaved in your pitiful lives. So, go out and work as your body clock fades and when it's all over, a few years from the grave, you'll look back on all this and just then you'll see that your life was nothing, a mere fantasy. There are very few things that we don't now control. To have lawyers and police force was always a goal. Doing our bidding as you march on the street, but they never realize they're only just sheep. For real power resides in the hands of a few. You voted for parties, what more could you do? But what you don't know is they're one and the same. Old Gordon has passed, good old David, the reins. And you'll follow the leader who was put there by you. But your blood, it runs red, while our blood runs blue. But you simply don't see it's all part of the game. Another distraction, like money and fame. Get ready for wars in the name of the free. Vaccinations for illness, that will never be. The assault on your children's impressionable minds and a microchipped world. You'll put up no fight. Information suppression will keep you in tow. Depopulation of peasants was always our goal. But eugenics was not what we hoped it would be. Oh yes, it was us that funded Nazis. But as long as we own all the media too, what's really happening does not concern you. So just go on, watching your plasma TV, and the world will be run by the ones you can't see. <laughs>